Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for boarding Flight 005 to your personal oasis, the White Tiger Podcast. We all get one chance at life. What are you doing with yours? All failures and successes in life start with you. You steer your own ship, control your own thoughts, and choose how you react to things that occur. Everybody deals with challenges. It's how you handle them that makes the difference. Proper advice and real-world answers can be hard to come by. And that's where the White Tiger Podcast comes in. Host Craig Casaletto has seen and experienced things most people don't and shouldn't. 15 years in law enforcement taught him many life lessons. And he's here with a raw perspective on the professional and personal challenges life throws our way. This is the White Tiger Podcast. What is up, everybody? And thank you for boarding this one-way flight to audio awesomeness. During our trip, we're going to talk a little bit about communication and why we all suck at it. Also, I'm going to deputize each and every one of you today, and I'm going to give you some tips on how to be a better communicator and also tell if those special people in your life are lying to you. And lastly, I'm going to leave you with a heartfelt story about how watching a woman urinate in a cup during an interview taught me a valuable lesson. So without further ado, buckle your seatbelt, store away any carry-on items, and don't forget to place your beverage card order, because I've just been informed by the captain that we're ready for takeoff. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for coming back here to episode number five. I am very appreciative you're back. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. I am. I'm appreciative you're here. I'm sure there's a million other things you could be doing with your time right now, unless you're stuck in a car in traffic somewhere, and even more so, you're choosing to listen to me, so... Thank you, and don't forget to signal your turn. So a couple of days ago, my son came up to me, and he told me he had a question. So I asked him what was going on. He looked at me, and he pulled down his pants, and he said, Hey, Dad, why do I have two balls? I looked at him, and I said, You know, that's a really good question. I don't know why you have two balls. But I'm hoping that, you know, since we're talking about communication, that there's someone out there that maybe can help me out with the answer. So if anyone has a good fatherly answer to their son on why that you have two balls, please let me know because he's been reminding me every day since he asked me the question for the answer and I told him I have to get back to him. So I think he's probably questioning if I even have them because I just don't have an answer for him right away. Oh, and by the way, in case you're curious, uh, my son is 23 years old. No, I'm only kidding. He's only six, but I'm still trying to figure out how he came up with the term balls. Like, where's he getting this from? Are the kids talking about balls in school? I don't know. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So there you go. An opportunity to communicate. And I dropped the ball. No pun intended. But it made me think how important communication is. Now, from a personal perspective, whether you are a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, parent, whatever you are. Obviously, you realize that being able to communicate and communicate effectively is important. And from a professional point of view, whether you're a CEO of a large company, whether you own your own business, whether you're an employee or whatever the case may be, you know that communication is also important and vital to your and everyone else's success. And I realize the more that I think about it and from what I've learned is that we pretty much suck at it. And I think there's certain aspects that we're probably good at and there's certain aspects that we need to improve. But really, they're based on a few things. And I think one of the big things that what makes us not necessarily the best communicators comes down to fear. And 
I'm not sure exactly what you're thinking when I say that, but I think fear kind of holds us back from communicating effectively. And what I mean by that is that there may be certain things that we want to say that we don't say out of fear. There may be things that we need to approach somebody on or to communicate to someone, but we don't say out of fear. Now, it's out of fear maybe we won't come across correctly or out of fear that it'll be misinterpreted this wrong way or the fear that it may ruffle some feathers or piss people off. And I think there's other people who don't care and say, you know, I'm going to say what I want to say and however it's received by the receiver is not my problem. So, yeah, fear does play a factor in communication and, you know, people receive information differently. And I think sometimes you just need to think before you speak. So in addition to fear being an obstacle, I think it's just a lot of times is not thinking before you actually open your mouth and say something. One, how is this information that I'm going to pass on be received? Uh, you know, and is it going to effectively communicate what I want to effect- to communicate and so on? And there's a lot of other things as far as personal behaviors and attitudes that affect the way you speak to others and get your point across and so on and so forth. And I think when we start allowing our behavior and our attitudes to get involved in the way we communicate, that turns into be a problem. Because I could tell you from every husband and wife that are out there, when you're pissed off at each other and you're angry, emotions play a big part in what comes out of your mouth. And a lot of times it's not good because I heard a lot of times I've heard people say, if it feels really good to say it, you probably shouldn't say it. And it's true because you know, in the beginning it feels really good, but in the end it's going to come back and bite you. It always does. So yeah, we, we pretty much, I don't think are effective communicators. And I think there's certain things that we need to focus on. One of them being not saying anything and actually just thinking about what you're going to say before you say it to also take the time to not have emotion fuel what you're about to say and uh, thinking about how that information is going to be received. And there you go. There's a beginning, a starting point or a foundational platform to jump off of next time you're thinking about saying something to someone. Now, an important part of why we suck at communicating is one major important thing that we fail to do, or most people I think fail to do effectively. And that is simple. It's a listening. I think we are shitty listeners. I think we always, our minds nowadays are working like hyperdrive all the time. And I think that we're asking questions and then before we hear the answer, we're asking other questions. And we even need to listen to you. I think, I think, and sometimes we only listen to what we want to hear or hear or listen to the responses or portions of the response that we really want to hear. And everything else is just like white noise. And we don't listen to what everybody else is saying. So we ask a question and say, hey, here's our question. And then while the person that we asked a question to is giving us an answer, we're already thinking about the second thing we're going to say. And we don't truly listen to what they're saying. In addition to some other things that come along with communication, like body language and stuff, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but that is equally as important. So yeah, we're pretty crappy listeners. And I could tell you from work experience that when we would interview someone or when I would go into an interview and interview someone and ask them questions about significant things that had happened 
which potentially could affect their freedom, we would always go in with two people. So we sit down in an interview room and we interview, let's say, the suspect of a crime. It's practiced for many reasons, one of them being safety, second for being tactical as far as the interviewing part of the interview is going in with two people. And the reason for that was you have someone that asks the questions and listens or maybe take notes, but you have someone else who's there to solely listen and really digest the information that's coming from the individual that you just asked a question to. And the value to that is, is that sometimes people are just shitty multitaskers and it's hard sometimes to ask questions and then suck in the answer and, you know, digest the answer and then think about what they said and then ask another question. A lot of times you're asking a question, you're hearing bits and pieces of what they say, and you're already thinking about the next question you're going to ask. That second person was there just to digest all the information that they just heard and make note of it because you're going to start using those things to make a determination of whether or not that person across from you is being truthful, being honest, is being genuine and so on. And to be honest, it worked great. It worked really, really great. And it was just a common practice for various reasons. But from an interviewing point of view, it was great because you don't like when you go back and you like look at your these all these interviews that we would do were actually recorded video recorded at at a standard and then audio recorded if you had to. But you would go back and listen or watch your, your interviews and you would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. Or I can't believe that person just told me that and I missed it. And I was always on the impression that I really wasn't much of a note taker. Like when I would like interview or speak to someone and, and from a professional, obviously, point of view, and I would take notes, I, while I'm taking notes, I would miss so much. And then when I would go back and, and look at these videos and listen to these interviews, I'd be like, oh, there I am taking notes and I just missed that, which was really, really important. So I think the point I'm trying to make here is that it's really listening is is the most important point because when you're you're asking questions, you really need to listen to the answers because people tell you a lot of things that you miss and can really shed light on what you're trying to accomplish through what you're saying or communicating to that individual or whatever. And it doesn't have to be necessarily one-on-one. It could be you communicating with a group of people and seeing their reaction. You know, because, and again, too, you know, on a, on a kind of a bit of a side note is based on a person's reactions of what they say, the question that you had in your mind to ask next may change. And sometimes you just have to adapt and go along and not, it's not about following a specific pattern. So yeah, exciting stuff. But yeah, we can definitely be better communicators. And I think listening is such a good part. And also, here is really the most, I would challenge each and every one of you to think about this. People are very uncomfortable when it comes to silence. Like it just, when it comes to silence in a conversation, if we were sitting here having a conversation, and I was talking to you and we just stopped talking, someone, you know, it's kind of like a staring contest. It's like someone's going to move first. Someone's going to blink first and someone's going to want to say something. Because just sitting there in silence is uncomfortable and your mind is moving a mile a minute and you're thinking about what to say. Should I say this? Should I not say this? And you actually learn a lot from speaking to someone 
just looking at their reaction when you're not saying anything. Next time you're having a conversation with somebody and there's that awkward silence, bite your tongue and try not to say anything and see what happens. Force the other person to say something first or just watch their reaction, especially if it's something that is really important you need to talk about because people will really think about what they're going to say before they say it. And if you're trying to find out, at least in my scenario, if you're trying to find out if people are trying to be truthful, you know, they're going to take their time before they actually say what they're going to say because they can't take whatever they said back. And you'd be surprised to hear some of the things you hear. So those are my tips on communication. And yeah, just little things to practice. And I think I'm still working on it. Obviously, I couldn't answer the testicle question, but I'm going to work on it. I'm going to practice tonight. Maybe I'll get some good answers from you guys and I'll figure out what I'm going to tell him. Because I damn well know, you know, tomorrow morning he's going to ask me what the answer is. I can only delay for so long. So recently I've had a bunch of people come up to me and ask for some tips on whether or not there's things out there that they can use to determine if someone's actually being truthful with them or lying to them. And it kind of would go something like this. Uh, Hey, man. Is there anything that like you can show me or tell me that I-, I could figure out if my business partner's like taking money from me? Or uh hey dude, um I-, I think my girlfriend may be cheating on me. Is there anything like I should be doing or anything I should be asking her to maybe give me a a clue on whether or not she's like fooling around behind my back? Or uh by the way, um is there anything that, you know, you could tell me in reference to thinking if my, you know, trying to figure out if my son or daughter is uh, doing this? So my f- simple and direct answer to them is, if you're asking me the questions, then you probably already know the answers. So there's really no other tips that I can give you that are going to change your situation. So you're already there. But for those who are seeking some tips that may or may not be able to tell you or give you some insight on whether or not someone's being truthful to you, I can do that. But it comes with a huge disclaimer. The podcast disclaimer is, these are not black and white rules or tips. They do not always determine if someone is being truthful or lying to you. But I would suggest that when it comes to communication, that you listen and I'm going to coin a law enforcement term here, take the totality of circumstances, which means take a person's responses to the questions you ask, their reactions, their body language, how they communicated with you, and some of this other stuff, and make a common sense decision. And I know for some, common sense is very difficult. Some, some of us have it and some of us don't, but it's important sometimes to use it. Actually, a lot of the time to use it. So... Here we go. I'm going to tell you a couple of tips that may be able to help you. And again, don't forget about the disclaimer. So when you're asking people questions on whether or not, or to make a determination of whether or not they're being truthful, and you're asking them direct questions about what they've been doing or where they've been going and so on and so forth, if their answer is anything but related to the question you asked, that should probably raise a red flag for you. So What I'm saying is, is that if you're asking a question to someone about something that they're doing, and it's a direct, specific question, and and the key is to be specific, and they're telling you a story about everything else unrelated to the question you asked, that's a pretty good indicator that something else is possibly going on. 
So that's something to pay attention to. Also, too, if you find out that people start using terms before they speak, such as honestly, well, to tell you the truth, truthfully, to be honest, typically if you're starting a sentence with any of those type of things, it would make me, or and it should make you curious, is like, well, if now they're telling me the truth, what have they been telling me before I asked this question? Now, if you listen to my first three episodes of this podcast, you'll notice that I use to be honest quite a bit. Now, does that mean I'm lying to you? Well, listen, I wouldn't have this podcast out if I was lying to you because it would be a disservice to you and it just wouldn't be ethically right. But I say it. I subconsciously say it. I don't know why. And that's why I'm saying that these rules are not necessarily black and white. But if you take those in addition to some other things, you could probably get a good indicator of whether or not someone's really being honest. Also, too, uh, I know I'd mentioned before I was going to talk a little bit about body language. So if people have a hard time looking at you when you're asking questions and seem to turn their body away from you when they answer questions or maybe cross their arms uh, and close themselves off to you while you're trying to communicate with them, that could, an emphasis on could, be an indicator that something else is going on uh, in reference to the things that you're asking them about. So I, again, would cross my arms a lot and I would have someone that would bust my balls all the time about that I was lying to them. But I just, I don't know, I felt comfortable crossing my arms. I don't know. So again, take it for what it's worth. So also too, another good body language indicator or something that you may want to pay attention to is I know when people are excessively nervous because you're asking them hard to answer questions, they may have that uncontrollable foot tap or that bobbing up and down with their foot and knee, you know, nervousness, tapping of their fingers, uh, all that type of stuff. Those are also potential indicators that someone's uncomfortable with the question that you asked and may have a difficult time giving you an answer. So there's a lot of different things involved with responses, certain things that people say, a person's body language, and avoiding communicating. Because if you think about it, all these things that I've talked about, maybe other than some of the, honestly, to tell you the truth, they're really kind of avoiding answering the question that you ask them. And the reason for that is because they know if they answer the question truthfully, it's going to come back to hurt them in some capacity. So those are my little tips for today. I take it for what it's worth. So, But also, too, again, if you're asking the question, you probably already know the answer. So there you go. You know, now that I'm thinking about body language, I have a question for you that's really been bothering me, and I could use your help. Can someone please tell me what the hell happened to the handshake? Because my understanding is, is that, like, the handshake is like a really, really good, big, huge piece of the communication process. Like when you meet somebody and you shake somebody's hand physically, when you shake somebody's hand, I mean, the pre- how you shake their hand, the pressure you put on their hand, is it a two-finger shake, is it a, is it a fist bump shake, handshake, whatever it is, like what actually happened to the good old-fashioned handshake? Because another thing coupled with the physical side of the actual handshake, right, 
is the meaning behind the handshake. And I think this is really the point I'm getting to is like, like a handshake is like, it's like a bond, you know, it's like, all right, we've come to an agreement or whatever it is and let's shake hands on it. And you can't go against what you said because you shook hands on it. You know, like, it's like, it's like an unwritten rule. It's like you shook hands on it. There's meaning behind the actual process of shaking somebody's hand and agreeing to something, whether it's like a business meeting or whether it's a business proposal or whether it's a whatever, and you guys get up or gals get up and shake hands, there's like, there's meaning behind it. It's not like, at least I thought there was like meaning behind it. I feel like, is it me or is that some of that lost? Because I don't know. I feel like, you know, the whole shaking hands thing and stuff is kind of not really much there anymore. And I don't know really why. I mean, I'm not saying people aren't shaking hands anymore. People are shaking hands, but... Like the actual meaning behind it is, has it lost some of its meaning? Has it lost some of its kind of like whatever? I don't know. I remember like, you know, you getting tips on shaking hands. Like, listen, you go in there, you give a good old fashioned handshake. Don't squeeze too hard. You don't squeeze too soft. You get in there nice and neat. You walk away. Don't make it too long. Don't make it too short. So there was a science behind shaking hands. Who would have thought, right? But, you know, having, shake, having had shaked a few hands in my lifetime, you kind of get, you know, you learn from your mistakes and then you also get, yeah, I'm getting pretty good at this. Right amount of pressure. I'm fitting in the right spot. You know, not too much up and down motion. There's a little bit, but not too much to where you're kind of creepy. There's that. And then once you get that down, I was under the impression there was like an underlying type of unsaid meaning behind when it comes to developing a relationship, the handshake really means something. It's like the period at the end of a sentence or it's the icing on the cake or it's just like, okay, we get each other. It's, this is, we have a relationship now. Let's shake hands, make it official. So I don't know if there's someone out there that maybe can tell me if that still exists because I think it does, but I don't know if like really... Most people think of it that way anymore. So I figured it was a good topic to discuss since we're talking about communication because shaking hands is communication. And there's a science to it. Go figure. That like major things have happened based on a handshake. So yeah, please uh, feel free to reach out for me if you can explain that one because I'm still trying to figure it out. I still think... Please send me a memo if I'm not really supposed to put that much weight in it anymore because I still kind of go out there and think about it before I actually do it. So I don't know if I'm wasting my time. I don't think so. But And if you agree, then maybe we start a club or something like the Handshakers Club of America and we like post some stuff and just post handshakes on Instagram, show how it's done. I'll do a tutorial about like how you fit your hand in and all that stuff. That could be kind of cool. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Just a thought. Oh, and since we're on the topic of handshakes, you know each and every one of you know that one person who shakes your hand and their total mission is pretty much to rip your wrist right off of your lower arm. They give you, I like to call them the iron claw of handshakes. Like, it's obvious that the person that's shaking your hand has some type of issue that they need to put as much pressure as possible on your hand to the point where you wince. And then they look at you like nothing weird just happened. 
I'm like, dude, you just nearly ripped my hand off of my arm. Like, what were you trying to accomplish? You're trying to tell me that you're like strong or powerful or something? And listen, there's a lot of people out there who are going to tell you, you got to go in there and give them a real firm handshake. Listen, I don't know where people are getting that information. And there may be some of it true when it comes to business that you should just give a solid handshake. But listen, people are not telling you to rip somebody's hand off of their arm. I'm, listen, I'm, if there's anything you take away from this podcast episode, please don't squeeze too hard because there's a lot of people out there that don't appreciate when you're clawing their hand to the point where you're squeezing all their knuckles together and circulation has stopped because you know there, there are people out there. I like to think that they're trying to overcompensate for something, which if you think about it, they're probably saying to themselves, listen, I don't have the social skills to be able to communicate effectively with this person, so I'm just going to rip their hand off. So they know where I stand. I don't know. It doesn't work. So what can I tell you? Stop squeezing. Be gentle. So a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to partake in an operation where we were focusing on uh, the prostitution issue within the jurisdiction that I worked. And as a result of that operation, we wound up making an arrest of a female prostitute. And she was ultimately brought back to our headquarters, where is where we conducted the majority of our interviews. Now, in the course of interviewing this female, it kind of wasn't any different from any other interview that we conducted, um, other than the fact that, you know, maybe the questions were different and obviously some of the responses were different and so on and so on. Um, But I got to tell you that there's one thing that happened in this interview that's never happened to me before in my life, or I can't say I've actually experienced something like this uh, in the course of my law enforcement career. So what had happened is, is that in the course of interviewing this person, you know, you take breaks and you leave the room and the person is still in there doing their thing or contemplating what they just told you or thinking about some of the things that you said and you go through your process. And then after the process is done, you either they're getting processed and released or whatever the case may be, depending on the circumstances of the case and what they potentially may be getting charged with and there's a lot of other things involved. So what happens is, is that after this process is all said and done, you know, the guys that are involved uh, go back and they review their videos because everything now is on video. Interviews are recorded on video, whether they're recorded on audio, everything is recorded. So you go back and you review your interviews and you review what you said, the questions that were asked, the responses that you got and so on and so forth. So during the course of this interview, after some people have already left the room, this woman, prostitute, is seen on video taking this cup and pulling down her pants or shimmying her pants down and taking a leak in this cup. A cup that was given just to the her for some water or whatever. She was drinking, saying, here, just here's some water or whatever. She couldn't go to the bathroom anywhere else but in the cup that was given to her on the desk of the interview room. And she decided to fill the cup. But here's the problem. She had to go so bad that there wasn't enough room in the, co- the typical coffee styrofoam cup. So what happens? You squeeze, you cut off the flow. What am I going to do with this cup? I have nowhere to go. Well, let me just dump it on the floor. So there it goes, dumped on the floor like no one's going to notice. And for the most part, no one did notice originally. And then let me go back to filling up the cup yet again. And sure enough, true story, 
she fills up the cup yet again and dishes it on the rug in the interview room. So what happens is, is that in between that point and the point it was actually discovered because it wasn't right away, you know, probably people using the room, hey, what's going on? Kind of smells a little musty in here or whatever. And sure enough, uh, they realize after the fact that she took a leak in the styrofoam cup and just dumped it on the floor in the interview room. Not something, you know, you would expect. So right now you may be asking yourself, how the hell does this story relate to communication and learning about how to be a better communicator? Well, really the point of the story is, is that when you go into any type of interview, discussion, you're communicating with anyone, go in with an open mind because don't make assumptions that certain things are going to happen or you're going to hear the things that you expect to hear because you'd be surprised that, and you may have already experienced this, that sometimes you don't hear what you expect to hear and some things take you off guard and that may mess with some of the things that you want to ask or the object or the goal of that conversation may take a turn because you were kind of not expecting to hear certain things that you heard or see certain things that you saw. So not sure if that makes sense, but the point of the story is, listen, are you going to see Mary Beth open her hydro flask during the next think tank and take a leak in it? Probably not. Are you going to see Chuck from accounting grab the watercraft on the conference room table during your next board meeting and take a leak in it? Probably not. But the point is, is just have an open mind when it comes to certain things involved communication-wise. Because you never know. People say some crazy shit. People do some crazy stuff. And knowing that those things can happen or certain things can be said that you're not expecting could uh, put you in a better place to respond and to handle uh, these things as they come up. So, And also, too, is that sometimes when you want someone or you're expecting a certain response from someone, usually those are the only things that you hear. You look for those things that you want to hear and you dismiss everything else. So always expect the unexpected because you never know what you're going to see or smell for that matter. So on that note, I want to thank everybody for flying White Tiger Airlines today. I hope you enjoyed your trip to Communication Town and picked up some good tips on how to be a more effective communicator. And also picks up some tips on uh, giving the proper handshake. So go out there and shake some hands. And if you want to send me some photos of some handshakes and stuff, I'll post them. Why not? That could be cool. Also, feel free to shimmy yourself on over to WTPodcast.com where you can check out my blog and a bunch of other stuff you probably already heard before. And I'm coming to you in this episode with a request. If you go on to WTPodcast.com, you will find a subscribe button at the top of the page. Uh, If you can, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, My goal is really to get this out to as many people as possible so they can enjoy the material, hopefully share it with others and share it with others. And before you know it, we could throw like a big party and we could all have some fun. And it'll probably be again at my expense. But cool, like literally probably my expense because I'll probably be paying for it. But anyway, go over, subscribe, uh, check me out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the social media stuff. Uh, Please, again, subscribe, spread the word, Uh, hoping to get this out to as many people as I can, but I can't do it without you guys. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for spending it here with me for the last 32 minutes, 
And I look forward to seeing and talking with you in the next episode of the White Tiger Podcast. Adios. Thanks for listening to the White Tiger Podcast. If you have feedback or questions for future episodes, get in touch by visiting WTPodcast.com. Ah!